Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. Holy bejesus. What happened? Last week it was just, oh, a calm offseason. Nothing really is going down. Like, hey, the NFL. Like, I've been worried about the MLB lockout. I've been worrying about what's going on in the international community. I've been worried about what's been going on around the world. Got a little baby. I've been worried about with that. And then all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. The NFL comes in and drops some shockers. Absolute insanity. And the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast is here to talk about that and so much more with you today. I am here, of course, with my bro, Michael. Say, yep. say what up to the people, Michael. What's up, folks? We have a shocker for you as well. Yeah, and Jason's not with us today. He's doing something something other than this, all right? Jason. Psh, Jason. He has like one of his uh, bar yeah. exam, one of the parts of the yeah, bar exam actually missed, to take tomorrow. Yeah, he's actually missing this for a really, really good reason. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, But the... Brodo man that you may not know, if you're just a fan of the podcast, you may not know this man, but if you're a fan of the Brodo brand, you know this man because his name cannot be missed. I mean, we've shouted him out on the podcast a million times too now at this point. That is very true. Uh, I think you've even been on the podcast a couple times. No, this is his first first appearance on the podcast. Uh, The debut, the podcast debut. uh, the, The Brodo, director of content, the man himself, at Psych Ward. Matt Ward, the the one of the best base, uh, one of the best, excuse me, football minds in the business, coming here as a third Brodo member today. What is good, Matt? Oh, it's good, bro. Uh, yeah, thanks for the introduction. That was quite the words of confidence you gave me there. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Happy to share this knowledge of you know all of the news of the last week in the combine with the fans, and yeah, just excited to be here. But oh, let's. Man, do you know what? You, speaking of excitement, not only are we excited to have you on, we are excited to have you as part of the the Brodo team moving forward because we got exciting things coming up in the works. The content that Matt directs that's going to be directed right to one place, and that place is the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, the only app you need to dominate fantasy football, and we have so many surprises in store for you coming up in the next coming weeks in the next coming months we are planning on taking it to the next level so many things that you can get on this app already and tons more to be had and the only way to access these tools that will literally make your life 700 times easier when looking at fantasy football notes is the fantasy football by broto app and that's a peer-reviewed number two 700 times easier that is that is very scientific and the reason another science another this is definitely scientific the reason why we could pay for all this and have an app and do cool things like that is because of our patrons over at patreon.com slash broto fantasy who support us and we love you you keep you as they say you keep the lights on you keep the app running you keep this podcast running and we appreciate you so much join now at patreon for as little as three dollars a month you can get an extra episode well you know an extra half of this episode (laughs) then you could also get uh leagues with us you get access to the discord with the best community and right now we are all about betting on the nba there is there is a big 
betting on the NBA conversation going on at all hours of the day uh, on the Discord right now. Um, you get betting algorithms that beat Vegas at an over 50% clip uh, this year. You get tons, tons of extras. I can't even remember off the top of my head how many extras we offer because I'm missing like two or three things. The only way to check it out is to go to patreon.com slash brotofantasy. Again, that's patreon.com slash brotofantasy to support the show, to support the app, to support the movement. Speaking of movement, oof, we had some movement in the NFL. Um, yeah, we did. There's so many stories. Like Usually there's like the one big story that you know that you want to lead with. I don't even know what I want to lead with this one, but I think that you know change is always something we want to talk about first. So the first story that we want to talk about, Russell Wilson, Mr. Unlimited himself. Yep. He is on the move. That You know, when they first talked about Russell Wilson not being happy, it, it's not that I didn't believe him, but it's almost as if I didn't want to believe him. Like, um, he doesn't seem like that guy who would... Who would be like that? He seemed like someone who was going to be with the Seahawks his whole career and go with the ups and downs and, right. and, and and take it. And that's exactly what did not happen. And kind of, this was a, kind of a bubbling under the surface for a long time. And then it bubbled over pretty quickly. And now you have a Denver Broncos team who a lot of people last year said they're a quarterback away. Right? They have all the tools around except the quarterback. And now Russell Wilson of... Uh, Super Bowl winner, a perennial top 10 quarterback in the league, although fair to point out that he has been he has been had a decline. Man, he got hurt and then came back and okay. didn't play as well. So obviously Get Michael has here. some opinions that he's Yeah, he's, maybe a change of scenery is a, a big part of this too. Like I mean, if you would have asked me the over under on Russell Wilson playing his career in Seattle, I definitely would have assumed that, that he was going to stay there forever, but yeah, I mean I think a bit of the coaching style, a bit of the the team philosophy is part of the reason he wanted out too. Michael, how do you how, if you're a Broncos fan right now, you gave up two first round picks, you gave up two second round picks. Are are your expectations Super Bowl? Absolutely. I mean, their defense is super legit. They got Javante Williams in the backfield, and maybe they bring back Melgo. Maybe they get someone else. It doesn't matter. Javante Williams proved last year that he's a stud as a rookie. Jerry Judy out wide, like uh, Cortland Sutton out wide, Tim Patrick, who's proven to be a valuable wide receiver in the well, league. Not for nothing, K.J. Hamler still exists as K.J. Well. Hamler still exists, but, I mean, he keeps getting hurt and such. I'm not really considering him at the moment. And then you got Albert. They traded Noah Fant, which is a bit of a shock, but then they got Albert O as well, who's super athletic and has shown flashes, maybe even has shown more flashes than Fant in terms of opportunities and taking advantage of the opportunities. Um, so this is really like yep. I I what I wonder is, look the Rams last season traded a shitload for Matt Stafford win the Super Bowl. They kind of changed the philosophy of you need to trade young. You can't just go for it because if you don't win, you're screwed. Do the Broncos make this trade if the Rams didn't make the trade last year for Stafford and win the Super Bowl? I think that's a really good point. Yeah, I think they definitely changed the template of how you acquire talent in the NFL, 100%. Especially That's be- all it takes, right? Yeah, yeah. especially because the Broncos have been kind of adverse to... This is kind of how the Broncos have done it, though, because you could say that the people who did this first were the Broncos. Well, they, they didn't really... They didn't trade first-round picks to get Peyton Manning, though. 
Like if you're referring back to them getting Peyton right. Manning older. You're right. He was, Super Bowl. he was a free agent. Correct. You're right. Okay. So losing two first round picks, two second round picks, a young tight end. Yeah. Drew Locke doesn't really doesn't really. I don't know count. if Drew Locke doesn't really count. Oh God, I don't know if that's a thing. Yeah, Stop. I know. I know you're gonna yell at me in a second. I know you're gonna yell. At me. But let's go. Let's let's talk about this from a fantasy perspective, right? Because I I personally have some DK Metcalf shares in in the league that we share, Matt. I actually uh, offered Matt a trade with DK Metcalf in it today, and he swiftly rejected me, as I thought he would. That was Shocking. just a that was just my initial feeler. I thought I was gonna at least get a counter, but it, it, apparently the the offer was so bad I couldn't even get a counter. But <laughs> with that being said. Um, you know, these guys like Tyler Lockett, these guys like DK Metcalf, uh, Rashad Penny, uh, up and coming. These are players who people are counting on to, to be starting players on dynasty teams and who, if, you know, everything was equal, if, if Russell Wilson was still on the team, these are two wide receivers who are going in the top five rounds of fantasy easily. So how, how do you see this affecting those guys? Yeah, I mean, I don't think Seattle's necessarily done making moves at quarterback either. Uh, mm. I think a, a big part of that deal was them able to get in front of Pittsburgh at nine so that they can get the first quarterback off the board. Um, because, I mean, a, a lot of mocks have Pittsburgh taking a QB, and that, that's a, a big, you know, churning in the rumor mill right now. So I, I think Seattle's not done making moves at quarterback, and, and I'm not a fan of Drew Locke by any means, but for the type of profile that we have with Tyler Lockett and, and DK like Lock can just throw some YOLO balls up there they'll still have value but yeah there's a clear value hit that's on that C- that Seahawks team right now and fans specifically like until they find a quarterback his value is just dead so by the way that 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 brings me to my next point because uh, you talked about drafting a quarterback and I'm going to ask you about Kenny Pickett's hands and I'm going to ask him about Kenny Pickett's hands in the second half of the episode where we're going to be talking about the combine review. So as you could tell, because you clicked on this podcast and it's the 21st century, you know, what the title is we are doing the recent news that's going on. Plus, we're going to be talking about the combine review and Matt's going to give his thoughts on all that, all, all that stuff as well. So make sure you stay tuned uh, for that. On the other side, you have Bronco. So like. For the most part, like Cortland Sutton was droppable at the end of last year, and there was there was no one whose stock probably dropped higher from week six to week ten than Cortland Sutton. I mean, lower than Cortland Sutton. He went from oh my god, this guy's a game changer to this guy can't even be rostered. So we've seen both sides of Cortland Sutton, but you'd expect that's because of shaky quarterback play if Russell Wilson comes back and is the guy we've seen him support two very good fantasy wide receivers as of right now I know it's way too early it's way too early and it's subject to change but as of right now where are you willing to take a guy like Jerry Judy and a guy like Corlin Sutton in a draft you know I I've been a Russell Wilson truther for a long time I've said Numerous times, the fact that he's wasted his prime years of his career in a Schottenheimer and Pete Carroll offense is just something we'll never be able to get back, and that's just pure trash um, from an NFL standpoint. Because I'm of the belief that Russell Wilson is a top-five talent quarterback in the league, and now he gets to either prove me right or prove me wrong in Denver because he has a, a fucking ridiculous amount of weapons in Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. Every, the Jerry Judy truthers... Time to put up or shut up now, too. Same with Cortland Sutton. This offense needs to, like, dominate next season. Other, otherwise, it's it's 
a failure, honestly. Like, this offense needs to, with the weapons that they have, they should be a top five offense in the league. So I do think they are going to be uh, drafted as such in fantasy circles. Like, I think Russell Wilson will likely be a top seven quarterback off the board again. Uh, Sutton and Judy will probably both be top 15 options. I could see one or the other wow. getting drafted in front of each other. Holy shit. I think they'll both get drafted on wide receiver 14, 15. And people, if they want to reach for them, maybe reach for them. Albert O is definitely a top 12 tight end now. Like, I, I don't think this is a, a offense people aren't going to want a piece of. Matt, you agree for the most part, or are you, are you in agreement? Yeah, yeah, for the most part. Uh, I do think, like, the yeah, Jerry Judy truthers are just rejoicing in in happiness right now with, yeah. with this move. And, I mean, I think an underlooked part of it is, like, Denver has a new offensive coordinator now, too. It's not the same system they were running last year with Fangio. So, it, it's going to – like, you can't really – philosophies don't necessarily travel you can't really be like well russell used players like this in the past so he's going to use players like this in denver and that it's a completely different offense and a completely new system so i I do think that jerry judy takes the biggest value jump out of all of them um but yeah i do agree with mike like sutton's just like back in the mix again and and people are going to get really high on him and for every jerry judy truther there is there's a guy that thinks Cortland sutton should be drafted ahead of him (laughs) yep I feel like everyone might be getting a little too happy about this trade. I don't I don't want to be a, a Debbie Downer, but Russell Wilson has shown signs of regression in the past couple years. And he's he's the way that he plays his size is one thing, because I don't want to say this is just because of his size, but the way that he plays is not really sustainable long term. It's not cut just because he's short, because Drew Brees was short. But it's because he's not a pocket passer like Drew Brees was. He's, uh, I'm going to run around, I'm going to make plays. And you saw last year that he ran himself into a bunch of sacks. He ran himself into a bunch of interceptions. He ran himself into a bunch of bad throws. And it, it was a, a night and day from the beginning of the year to the, to the middle of the year and then to the end of the year uh, when it came to Russell Wilson because people kind of figured that out. And he wasn't the same guy who can make seven, eight guys miss tackles and then make a ridiculous play. You know, like that seven, guy, eight guys miss tackles you know, per play. I'm being hyper on the regular. I'm being hyperbolic, Michael. Let me spit. Anyway, so uh, like I was saying, he's not that magic man anymore. So I think that we'll see. You you run into you run into a little bit of a could this be kind of underwhelming like it was in Seattle because yes. Tyler Lockett has his moments, and DK Metcalf had his moments, but both of these guys busted all, oh, literally all the time. That's what she said. <laughs> I was trying to say something that wasn't going to make it like that, but you know, sometimes it's, it's there. You got to embrace it. So, like, it, there's, I just see I. The one guy that I see in this offense that this is 1,000% an upgrade for is Javante Williams. I think that... Well, better offense is always better. Better offense is better for running backs. And the the myth... More scoring opportunities. Right, right, exactly. And the myth that, like... This is good... On the Seattle side, that this is going to be great for Rashad Penny if they resign him because now they have a worse quarterback, so they're going to have to lean on the run more. I think that kind of thinking is a flawed way of thinking. That is a very flawed way of thinking. I'd rather have a back in a good offense that gets 15 touches than a back in a bad offense that gets 22. 
Like, I, it's just, it, it is what it is. Like, that's out of 10 times out of 10. And when you are a Russell Wilson type, and Nathaniel Hackett, you got to remember where he comes from, the tree that he comes from. He's more of a West Coast kind of guy. He's a quick passes. Like Aaron Rodgers, the way that he won the MVPs the last couple of years is quick passes, quick passes, quick passes. Russell Wilson comes from that type of system. So I don't know if it's going to be the let Russ cook show that everyone thinks is going to be, especially when Javante Williams is a guy that has so much talent back there. And by running the rock, you give Russell Wilson an ability to bootleg. You give the play action passes, all that stuff. You give him that opportunity. And on top of that, you you stop him from making the stupid play because you can lean on the running game if that gets out of hand. You can like you could always hand yeah. it off to. to I guess, so I, I I really I think Javante is the big winner in this in this trade. I can see it being similar to uh, the Bengals last year, not like offensive wise, just generally where when they felt like they needed to lean on the run, they did. When they felt like they needed to lean on the pass, they did. When it wasn't it wasn't really like week to week, you knew exactly what the game plan would be in going into the game. And I think that's that's pretty big um, to be able to attack teams from all facets. And as as much as I've been hyping up Russell Wilson and this offense, you guys heard me. Um, I'm pretty darn excited about it. Like if I were to draft today, I feel like I wouldn't end up drafting any of these guys. I feel like someone will probably end up being a little bit more excited than me for um, to draft like a Judy, a Sutton, a Russ, or a Javante Williams. I mean, Javante Williams is probably going to be going top five if they don't re-sign He Melvin. deserves it. He should be going top five if he's the only guy back there. He should be. Yeah. So I don't I don't know if I'd be drafting them like if I was drafting today. I need to let this soak in a little more, you know, <laughs> let it marinate. But obviously, signs are pointing up in Denver. Michael, what's it marinating in? It's marinating in... In juices of fantasy football. That's the. You don't worst. know about fantasy football juice. That's, ter- that's terrible. Speaking of marinating, the, Matt also is a a chef whose Instagram makes me hungry every time I uh, flip flick through <laughs> the pictures. Matt knows about marinating. Uh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, someone who's going to be marinating at home uh, on his own sofa, uh, collecting checks, is Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we'll get to Carson Wentz next. I was going to say Carson Wentz, but I was going to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers goes back to Green Bay. All of that drama, all of that noise, all that nonsense, <laughs> gone. And I, I'm not going to, I'm just, I just want to put something out there about Aaron. Look, Aaron, you've been in trouble kind of twice. You stopped talking to your family, and it was when you were with Olivia Munn, right? <laughs> Olivia Munn, bad influence. <laughs> Then you're with this Woodley. Car- How you blaming character. Olivia Munn? You got the, you're and this not Woodley. Ca- hold on, hold on, hold on. You're with Woodley, right? This is the Woodley lady. Then you're 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 lying to the the, the you're talk you're talking crazy about the team. You're talking about retirement. You're talking about all this. You know they break up, and all of a sudden you're back at home, and you're you're making you're making you know decisions in in this brain in the brain. What I'm saying is, Aaron, maybe lay off the movie stars. Maybe you're you don't see. You you agree you you you're not you got you got to concentrate guy, you got to concentrate. All right, get your get your MVPs. The, the movie stars are not good for you. Like Aaron Rodgers speaking does, absurd right now. Nah, Aaron Rodgers doesn't need his head bigger than it already is. And when you're dating a movie star, your head gets big. He needs a, a smaller head so he can use it to play football. And that's what he's doing now. He's using his head staying in Green Bay. Matt, uh, if you are a uh, 
<laughs> if you if you roster any Green Bay Packers, you have to be uh, pretty happy right now. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'll, I'll, there, and there were reports. I mean, I guess the reports are true. He does own the home. But like Devontae Adams had bought a house in Las Vegas this week. And, and Derek Carr was his former collegiate quarterback. So everybody was, you know, like, oh, the, the relationship's finally over. And then Green Bay drops that bomb on us. And I, I guess we're still waiting for the actual contract terms. But, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is going to be the highest paid player in NFL history. Uh, and it's a great thing for the offense. <laughs> yeah, there, there's really – I mean, I actually – like I roster some Jordan Love in some dynasty leagues. And, and it there was a little bit of a, a hope there to be able to open up a cell window. But other than that, you know, I, I think that that offense is going to look and function essentially the same. Yeah, Matt, if I offer you like – uh, 2023 third round pick for Jordan Love. Are you taking it? Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's not looking not looking good at this point. Him. Yeah, right. for sure. Well, I mean, the the best case scenario is, and I guess there's a little bit of a rumor mill is he gets picked up by one of these teams that aren't really willing to, you know, make a big splash in free agency or, or kind of under the cap. They make a little bit of a you know a value investment in him, maybe a third or fourth round pick themselves, and that's really the best case scenario because. I mean, unless Rodgers retires out of the contract early, he's stuck behind one of the greatest quarterbacks that have ever played the game for another four years. Yeah. I mean, you got to assume that the first thing that Jordan Love's agent did this afternoon was request a trade. Like, 100%. I mean, yeah. I mean, there are a couple teams that, and, you know, are, are mid-range teams that are looking for a quarterback. And right now you're looking at Jimmy Garoppolo, who just got surgery yesterday. You're looking at Marcus Mariota. You're looking at Mitch Trubisky. Like you're not looking at guys who are gonna blow the the hinges off. Like you have a chance Jameis to maybe right, Jameis, like, Nick Foles. If you got a chance to to maybe take a shot on Jordan Love and see if like there's there's two trains of thought on Jordan Love. Right, the first one is he sucks and that's why he can't play. The second one is is you know they drafted him and then Aaron Rodgers won two MVPs. He could be the best player of all time, but you have two straight MVPs in front of you. You can't. You're not. So like, if I'm a team and I'm trying to take a long shot, like if I'm the Panthers, I'm kicking the tires on on Jordan Love. No way. You just wasted a year on Sam Darnold and PJ Walker, and now you're gonna waste a year on Jordan Love. There's no wasted years when you're trying it's to a make, year. when you're trying to get a quarterback. Wasted year. Jordan Love would be a waste. The Panthers have a the Panthers have an extremely good defense. Is going to be good for a long time. And Jordan Love will not help that. What? What is he, what is he like? He's a safety or something? Trading for Jordan Love, it doesn't matter if they have a good defense. They're not winning shit. Why? Because Jordan Love that? is trash. Do you, you have a? Do you have the inside scoop on Packers fucking practices? Yeah. You going to Green Bay when I'm not when I'm sleeping? Yeah. What do you think? Oh, I, I live okay. half the year in Wisconsin. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say today was a, a, a bad day for like uh, Steelers fans. Apparently, there's like a a verified person on Twitter. I saw it briefly. While I was closing Twitter, and then I lost it. Um, who said that <laughs> they might be looking to trade for Deshaun Watson? Ooh, which that would that would be a that Mike Mike spitting facts there. There there was a few inside sources that that were spinning those tires. Yep, Oof, that would be something. Speaking about spinning tires, Carson Wentz finds his third team in three years. The Washington Commanders. He goes back to the NFC East. Um, if you're a Commanders fan, you gotta be like, Ugh. it's like, like, eh, like you, you're, you're trying to not. Ever since they let Kirk Cousins go, and even when they had Kirk Cousins, 
They've been living in the man, the land of mediocre quarterback for so long. Like they've just been in like they haven't even tried to develop a quarterback in so long. I guess Dwayne Haskins, but he was such a epic bust that they just got rid of him right away with the with the new with the new people that came in. And now you have Carson Wentz again, who seems like a gap filler. Seems like a guy who's not going to be. I mean, whenever you're a quarterback who had to beat the Jaguars to get into the playoffs and couldn't beat the Jaguars, dominated by the Jaguars, were absolutely was absolutely dominated by the, by the Jaguars. You know, you lose some respect. And they, I, I've seen that apparently there was beef the entire time uh, with Carson Wentz that the people in the locker room did not uh, respect him or see him as a leader. I mean, I watched in-season Hard Knocks. It didn't seem like people were were with him, but they were also not galvanized by him. Something that stuck stuck out to me is Jonathan Taylor was talking to someone. He's like, yo, man, you know what's the best part about this team? Like, we got stars, but we don't have people with egos. He's like, yo, we got me. We got uh, DeForest Buckner. We got Darius Leonard. Like, we got guys. And it stood out to me that one of the people he didn't say was Carson Wentz. And I think that like I like I kind of like internalize that like wow he didn't say the quarterback, and I think that might have been a little bit of a in, like a show Cheap of shot. how the no not even that like not just a show of how the team felt because I don't think Jonathan Taylor is capable of cheap shot Jonathan Taylor seems like a great guy, uh, just how the team felt about Carson. But with that being said, it is a, a upgraded quarterback over Kyle Allen, so. What what is your reaction if you have if you have a guy like Terry McLaurin if you have a guy like uh, Antonio Gibson obviously he was not afraid to throw to his running backs uh, in Indianapolis Matt how you feeling if you are rostering these Washington guys real quick real quick Tim you said uh, Kyle Allen last year was uh, Taylor Heineke oh yeah my bad <laughs> Kyle Allen my bad go ahead Matt. I mean it's not yeah <laughs> it's all good. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it's an obvious upgrade there. Like, it's not a great upgrade. And, and as a Washington fan, I don't think that you want to see them go in that direction, like you said. Like, that's just not the it, – It's a, he's a stopgap. Like, he's not going to win you or put you in the direction that your team wants to be in, but he can stopgap while you develop somebody. But the thing is, they don't have anybody to develop. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do in the draft for sure. I, I think they might maybe move up or – um, take one of those QBs that there's still some questions around that aren't necessarily getting mocked as like top 15. Um, but for Terry McLaurin, I think it's a fine improvement. He's a great contested catch guy. And we saw Michael Pittman break out with Carson Wentz. So like, that's, that's certainly an upgrade as much as people aren't going to like it. Like it's certainly an upgrade for Terry, um, for Gibson. I'm, I, I'm, I just don't th- like, I might just have to eat my bu- bullet here and admit that Gibson might just not be the pass catching back that we think he is, but also, you know, we have seen Carson Wentz target the running back and he did so in Philly sparingly, but more than an average QB. I think Sanders had 67, 68 targets um, in Wentz's last year. So like, that's decent enough. Um, But yeah, I'm, I'm worried about Gibson's role in that Rivera offense more than I am about Carson Wentz improving his value. So just overall, like kind of the same, you're worried about the same nonsense from Gibson that you got this year. Yeah, pretty much. And I mean, again, like I do think Terry's going to see at least like he's going to be a more consistent play. He was still seeing a lot of targets, but he's going to see more consistent play. And it's not a great upgrade, but it is one. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, in terms of the Colts, the Colts are now in a position to do some some crazy things because the, the Colts don't have anyone at quarterback. They got Jacob Eason, I think, is their quarterback. Sam right Ellinger. Yeah, one of these guys. So when you're talking about Mitch Trubisky comes to mind for someone they, they can go after, Marcus Mariota. Um, but this team seems like a team that wants to win right now, the Colts. And I feel like they feel like they're a quarterback away. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Colts tried some wild shit. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll find out. They don't seem to me like someone was going to draft, like, Kenny Prickett or, like, Malik Willis. You know, I just that just doesn't seem like something that's going to happen to me. You know, like, trading for Carson Wentz is kind of like, it's kind of like waving the white flag of winning with a strong quarterback. Like, you have to basically try to win through the Trent Dilfer, Joe Flacco-ish type victories where defense leads the way and they kind of just game manage their way to a Super Bowl. The Colts clearly don't want to do that. So then why would they, like, trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, who's basically Carson Wentz? That, that's a rumor out there. If they do do that, I'd be a little confused. I mean, I guess if they— Do do, huh? Goodness gracious. I guess if they think Jimmy Garoppolo and Carson Wentz are one and the same, then it's a moot change, and they got two extra third-round picks out of it. But, man, it's it's not like there's QBs on, like, falling off— trees right now like easy to find one so i'm really just i'm uncertain which way indy's gonna go because they do have a roster that says get them a quarterback and they can compete so it's a tough situation right now guys do you know the seahawks also released bobby wagner today yeah they're yeah uh, yeah wow the seahawks are going in full fire sale i, I was actually yeah. thinking about that too when we were kind of touching on the the dk and locket comparisons i don't know if they're going to be in seattle that's <laughs> exactly yeah uh by the way uh i i've I've kept it good. We are, we're at the 29-minute mark right now, and I've kept it really good, but I, I just have to go. <laughs> Seahawks, they traded two number one picks for Jamal Adams. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh, man. And, and two. And Jamal, Jamal leaves New York because he doesn't want to go through a rebuild. <laughs> Yo, good for him. Good for him. That was the biggest. Yo, so the, funny. The myth of Jamal Adams is a good leader. Is the, was one of the biggest myths, and or did not good football player. I don't know. He's a, he's a, okay. He's a good football. Oh my player. god, he's a safety, who the only thing he does well is rush the quarterback. The guy can't guard anybody. I would if if Jamal Adams yeah, well, walked well, onto well, the Jets bad. again, I'd be like, no, I don't want you on the Jets. No, yeah, I, don't, I also. What, I mean, they, they've got a hole at middle linebacker. They, they might, he might just slide down. Yeah. Make the Calvin Pryor change of uh, becoming a linebacker mid-career. Yeah. Except people yeah. think Jamal Adams is nice for some reason because he was drafted fourth overall. Sixth. Um, Whatever. One thing that's uh, a real disappointment, Calvin Ridley uh, suspended the entire oh. season for betting. He says he bet $1,500 for me. That's That's, you know. Fifteen thousand cents. I don't believe that many. for a second. Yeah, and that's also like fifteen. There's too too many. One cent is too much to gamble on. I, I'm a big I'm a big believer in 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 the integrity of the game needs to be upheld. Uh, Matt, what was your first reaction when you heard the news? I almost didn't think it was real. If you want me to be honest, <laughs> that was my first reaction. I was like, I don't. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, obviously, there's some weird like. I don't know. It, it irks you in a weird way when they 
the company that you work for has partnerships with these gambling companies and then you you know get suspended longer than almost anybody has for anything worse um for making a small bet if that was actually the bet that he made so i was pretty shocked at the suspension length um more than anything and just the way that he handled it afterwards i found was hilarious like he just kept burying himself with tweets over and over and over. like just yeah. tweet your way out of it right like he i thought that was pretty hilarious like there might have been a chance for an appeal up until those 45 tweets after he got suspended the worst was it's only one year lol like bro what are you yeah doing? like that's what, there was just so much of it <laughs> like yeah. Um, and as an as an asset, it's it's kind of tough. Like you were already taking a massive value hit for holding on to Calvin Ridley through, um, you know, his absence in 2021. Like that was already something that he had turned into. OK, maybe I'll throw a second round pick at this guy and, and hope for a couple more top 24 seasons. And now that window is essentially the same thing, but you're just waiting longer. So, yeah, his values certainly diminished even further. Hot yeah. take. Falcons draft a quarterback. Nah, I don't see it. I don't see it. But yeah, no. the situation with Kyle, because you don't know, like, was it the mental health issues where he was like, maybe he's a gambling addict. Yeah. But then he said. Maybe that was the mental health issue. Yeah, but then he said it was only 1500 I made, like, one bet. I'm fine. It's only a year, LOL, and shit. And, like, downplaying it, it's all just a very odd situation there. But yeah. I'm not surprised. For me, man, like I'm not surprised about the uh, the length. I mean, they've been very serious. Like, like Pete Rose isn't even a Hall of Famer because he bet on games. Like, they're very serious. Yeah, Pete about Rose. That. I mean, I guess in all honesty, in comparison to the other major, you know, uh, situation where this had happened, that Calvin kind of got off lightly. Like Pete yeah. Rose got banned for life. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, there was a uh, there was there was in the past the NFL has faced gambling by players. And each time the player has been suspended an entire year, so a lot of people think this is unprecedented. It's not. Um, okay. In fact, in like 1963, I, I believe that's the year, uh, the the league MVP and the best defensive tackle in the league both like got suspended for an entire year for gambling on the game. Um, that's well, back then they were making like yeah fourteen thousand dollars and a, a sandwich on the way home or some shit. Oh, yeah. Now they're making millions <laughs> and millions was, of dollars. Fourteen thousand is way too much. Yeah, right? Um, and then maybe like fourteen thousand in today's dollars. Uh, so like <laughs> it's like eighty dollars. Uh, and then I, I look a lot of people and you know I'm gonna I have to clarify. I feel like I have to clarify before I say it. I'm just gonna say it. People are like, why does this guy who only bet $1,500 one time, why does he have more of a suspension than, say, a person who was a domestic violence abuser, right? And here's what I'll say. I'll say that although domestic violence is without a doubt the worst of the two crimes, like, this is definitely, that's the worst, right? <laughs> that's definitely in the league of its own. He didn't do it on the football field, right? He didn't do it. He did it, you know, in, in, in he when he was a private citizen. And the NFL is reacting to what he did as a private citizen because the NFL holds their employees to a high standard. So they're playing that price. But this, he fucked with the integrity of the game. He messed with the actual integrity of the of the NFL. He made people question the integrity of it. And he 
and the legitimacy of it. And that needs to be met with harsh penalties. And um, because you can't, like, you can't have the game. Like, that's where the NFL, like, I think it's it's always, like, uh, an interesting thing uh, how, how society, and I'm getting a little off topic here, but that's all right, how society has deemed the NFL as the justice keeper for when these people, you know, these players do things as private citizens. Right, it's because the NFL is such an is on such a high pedestal, and they are, um, they are, you know, they are visible. I think that's very important. So they, so when you're visible, you have a responsibility to the public. That's why they punish these guys. But with that being said, it is just to me interesting that as a society we expect our sports leagues to play the role of, you know disciplinarian in situations of private matters. Um, but this makes sense all the way. You can't think, this is about the game. This is like you cheat in Monopoly, you have to give $500 to the bank. You know what I mean? Like, they cheated in Monopoly. They didn't, you know, build new banks. I don't even know what I'm talking about at this point. But you understand, like, my analogies have gone way too far. Uh, but, you know, I, I just think that this is the appropriate, and Calvin really needs to pay his, you know, he needs to do his time. Um, yeah. okay. on, on better wide receiver news, Mike Williams, how he, he was going to the final hour, and it looks like he's going back to the Chargers, which is good news, uh, I think, for everyone. Justin Herbert and him have a, a good report. Justin Herbert had now keeps his main two weapons. Um, so, yeah, I, I, if, if, I'm a, if I own shares of Mike Williams, I'm very happy about this. I don't know if I'd say I'm very happy about it. He's had years upon years in Los Angeles to just be a very, very, very volatile and very, very, very mind-aching wide receiver in terms of fantasy value. I would have liked him to see, like, career-wise, playing with Justin Herbert long-term, yes. Keenan Allen getting older, it certainly makes a lot of sense for him. I kind of wanted him fantasy-wise to go to a different team to see if to see how it goes like will he could he be like a, a stud wide receiver and LA's just kind of been using him wrong or like or is he just that guy like he's not the 1A type of receiver and he's just who he is who's he's a good football player nonetheless but he hasn't really proven to be a super trustworthy and reliable wide receiver for any quarterback yet he, he looked like he was going to be in the beginning of this year and then his season took a turn as well where he ended up being a very untrustworthy over the second half of the year. Yeah, I think I agree with Mike there, too. I kind of wanted to see him in a new place. And part of that is just like selfish fantasy ownership is I think we, we know the Mike Williams of L.A. And, and what we saw for the first four weeks was kind of an aberration. He's not a 30 percent target share guy. That's just not his profile. Um, and when he was putting up those 32, 35, 30 point weeks, he was getting 30 percent target share. So I was kind of hoping like just to go to a completely depleted wide receiver room and have him get peppered with targets for an entire season and see if he could maintain that. Um, but it makes too much sense for the chargers to retain him. I mean, just it like, and I mean, it's not like organizations function on a fantasy mindset, but it makes too much sense as a football team. Like he's, he knows the system he's been there. He's a perfect deep threat decoy and obviously can put up, you know, incredible contested catches and, and have massive games. Um, and yeah, like Keenan's getting older. They have 
I mean, other than the Dolphins, they have the most cap space in the NFL, so roll, may as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was going to just bring that up. Second most cap space in the NFL. You could do a lot of things with that. And one no cap. Is, is uh, keep your stud tight end. Um, that's going to be all for the first part of the episode, the free part. If you want to listen to the second part, patreon.com slash brotofantasy. Patron side, we're here. What's up? <laughs> Me, Tim, and Matt taking on the okay. patrons. All right. So, all right. So now we get into the juiciness. The we get into the ha ha. Give me. Actually, we just we it was pretty juicy what we just talked about. But yeah. we, now we get into the unknown. The we get to sink our teeth into the imagined, uh, the place that has made careers, the place that has destroyed careers. The place that has. Sorry, right, you might be being a little hyperbolic. Actually, it could destroy career. Maybe I don't. I don't think it's ever made a career. The combine. The combine. The combine's never made a career. No. You exit stage. Maybe it's destroyed a career, like the running back it's, who just. Who is the running back? Get out Matt, of who just put Kyron up. Kyron Williams. <laughs> Kyron Williams, absolutely atrocious yeah. combine. Bro, he's get out of only, here. He's he's. I mean, I don't know if it's official yet, but I think he was like he's. One of the only running backs that I've ever seen with like a near negative speed score. Holy shit! Jeez. Yeah. No, you know it's because bad he's five a... seven and one hundred and eighty four pounds and ran a force. Like, well, I guess they adjusted, but yeah, that that that's another thing that we should get to talking about is that clock made no sense for the forty times. Yeah, that shit was funny. Uh, but uh, Tim, let me say, so I also heard clock. they were. I also heard they were. Uh, they were. They were on a little fast. A little fast turf to this time around. All the uh, all the people who've gone up because of the combine, it never works out. Like fucking Dwayne true. Eskridge last year. I, I was going to agree with Tim to a certain extent. Like if you if you consider make a career like on the amount of money that you make when you enter the league, then yeah, Justin Ross certainly enjoyed the combine. <laughs> Facts. A lot of people. Darius Hayward Bay enjoyed the combine. Yeah, he was already a, highly touted, a... though. Nah, he wasn't. He wasn't eleventh overall pick touted. Nah, Darius Hayward Bay was going to be drafted no, as the wide receiver one. Yes, he was. was. Yo, he was going to one be of, one of the top bro, two receivers drafted of, at the very least. One of my favorite pastimes is to go back and watch old drafts on YouTube. Trust me, Darius Hayward Bay was a surprise where he was picked. I just watched that draft like, like two months ago, three months ago. John uh, Ross too. John, yeah, John Ross yeah. was also a big surprise. Anyway, let's get to the combine, all right? Because we have a guy who's been pouring over the numbers. When I when I asked Matt to be on today, because Jason couldn't be on, I'm like, all right, we got to get Matt on this. And when I asked him to be on today, um, I was like, yo, uh, are you? Uh, we're just talking combine. Matt also just wrote pieces, phenomenal pieces for the website, so I knew he was already in it. And I was, he goes. Yeah, yo, I've been, I've been just, I've been just reading combine stats for three days straight, so I'm ready to do this. Um, so that's who you're getting this information from. So let's ju- jump right in, because I think, I mean, the, the quarterback position, even though it's not the the sexiest position this year, uh, there were some sexy things that happened uh, during the combine. One of them was Malik Willis's absolute cannon uh, being on display. But I don't want to. We'll get to that in a second. I want to talk about Kenny Pickett's hands. Uh, he has yep. small hands. As a person who is uh, what's the opposite of blessed? Cursed, cursed with small hands. Who used to play quarterback? ICYP, under seven, uh, under eighteen, champ, right arm baby. Let's get it. Who used to play quarterback? And then as he got older, you know, it it it, it messed with me. My little hand, my my little hands. My little and, hands. Yeah, and it, when it was cold, it messed with me because I had little hands. So the, my question for you, Matt, really is, uh, how much do you put 
into his hands and despite his hands, what did you see from Kenny Pickett? Uh, and do you think that he's going to be the first quarterback off the board? Um, I'll answer your last question first because sure. I think Malik Malik Willis is undeniably the first quarterback taken in this Ooh, draft. Ooh, spicy! And especially especially after what we saw, and I don't think that he's necessarily the best prospect if that makes sense um but he showed the most tools and that's a guy that an nfl team looks at and goes i can turn that into something special because he already has all of the intangibles he's the i mean he's fast he's as fast as trail on burks <laughs> um he you know he's got a 75 yard standing cannon arm um there's definitely some decision making issues that, that i've seen with willis but yeah that's the number one quarterback kenny pickett's hands are a huge red flag and they're not just a huge red flag because of like the easy jokes that you can make about, you know, the not being able to hold on to the ball or anything. He's going to enter the NFL with the smallest hands in the league. Wow. Like that's the type of, that's Damn. the type of percentile that you don't want to be in nope. because the there's nothing zero. to compare to. Right. The zero nothing to pretend, percentile. <laughs> the only quarter, the only relevant quarterback and, and, it, I guess he was like a quarter of an inch larger, um, but uh, Mike Vick had like 8.7 inch hands. Okay, but Kenny Pickett isn't as fast as Mike Vick. No. <laughs> yeah. or, or fast at all, for that matter. <laughs> you know, so like, and he's a fifth year senior that, that needed the extra year so that he could, you know, really show out without any competition. Um, and, and he did. He, sh- he showed out. And that, that certainly is rising his draft stock. But if you're going to put like or invest into you know invest mental stock in, into a red flag that is one like he had 38 turnovers in college and most of them fumbles so like that's that's something that you know you you start to put the puzzle pieces together as we get closer to the draft and, and again there's just like i'm not saying it's gonna hinder a, a successful career but it's certainly going to hinder the way he has one yeah, Tim, you should measure uh, baby Dennis's hands and see how they compare to Kenny Pickett. Uh, baby Dennis's baby Dennis has uh, little baby hands. That's the joke. I know. I know that's a joke. <laughs> there's um, some hilarious photos of Kenny Pickett holding footballs, and I mean, like angles. You know, they're certainly played upon, but there are some like if you don't believe us, just go check out the photos. <laughs> He's got tiny hands, man. I will be this poor guy. Every time someone hears the word "picket" in the next two weeks, all people are gonna think about is his small hands. Like he just he, he just put together like one a great season for Pittsburgh, and all people are gonna think about phenomenal. is that guy's hands are small. Um, yeah, if he gets drafted, he'll be the one laughing. Right? You you wouldn't take uh, Kenny Pickett's role right now. I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm going to the a, NFL just to get made fun of for having baby hands. Who gives a shit? I'm glad I'm a I'm glad I'm a Jets fan. I'd be glad I'd be glad if I was a Jaguars fan. I'd be glad if I was a Patriots fan. I'd be glad if I was a 49ers fan. What? And I'd be I see where he's going with this because these guys all drafted quarterbacks last year, and I think all those guys would have been the number one quarterback this year. I look at I look 100%. at yeah. I look at Malik Will, Willis, and you know it it I've been a you know I'm 33 years old now. I've been a fan of the NFL for a long time. And I've been following the NFL very closely for a long time. Even when I was young, I was really into it like at, at like an adult level. And I remember a guy like Malik Willis would get no love. He was the exact type of guys that no one would look at. A strong-arm quarterback who was super athletic from a small school. You know, uh, a lot of that probably had to do with the complexion of his skin. Uh, but that that's how it was back in the day. Now that's the guy that is jumping to the top of a weak quarterback draft because now he has the tools that everyone wants to shape. 
and it just shows right. how the the NFL has evolved uh, over time uh, and over, over the next last few years. That's something I wanted to ask Matt about because look, I I I don't watch college football. I don't start going deep into um, what's this, rookies until like later in the summer. We've discussed this several times in our podcast because in redraft. We don't want any biases in our work, so we dive in closer to the start of the season, and then when people are hyping up like fourth round picks, like Brian Edwards, and we're like, nah, we don't, we're not the ones stuck drafting Brian Edwards. So I, I don't know much about the current uh, college, like rookies that are coming out. Matt does. That's why he's been putting out work for us. It's been glorious. We have dynasty work coming out as well. So for Malik Willis, do you think? he has that like Lamar Jackson type ceiling um, or do you think people are just chasing after that and they're never going to really get that because Malik Willis doesn't he, he he won't find that type of accuracy or like consistent accuracy accuracy to the point that like Lamar Jackson has found yeah I mean I think that's a good point like obviously that would be his highest ceiling comp or, or even like a Russell Wilson because Malik's only six foot um but his his athletic ceiling is certainly there, but he's also going to have to fit into a system like Lamar fit into where they specifically like if he gets drafted by the Seahawks, are the Seahawks going to change their entire off- offensive system to run RPOs 73 times a game? Because that's what the Ravens did when Lamar came in, yeah. you know, so it, it also it's not just the fact that he has the tools. It has to be a team that's willing to use them. And his rushing ability is in, incredible. Yeah. I mean, he's 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 a running back. He's built like a linebacker. Um, and he has an absolute cannon of an arm. So if if you can find a team that's going to invest top 10 capital in them, I would assume that they're going to cater to his abilities. And then yes, you, you can see an absolute phenomenal ceiling from Malik Willis. You know, uh, one of our, one of our favorites, one of my favorites on the show on, on YouTube is a guy named Brett Coleman. He breaks down video and he did a, a, (laughs) Uh, he recently did uh, something about quarterbacks. And one of the things that he pointed out was that a lot of quarterbacks who get drafted in the first round are busts. Uh, in fact, most of them have been busts. And he asked that question, why? And he went back and, to, and he studied the last five years of what it takes to be like, what did they see in college? What did it actually translate to the pros? And what was missed? And what did they get right in, in, in the process? And one of the things he says is the most number one, the number one most important thing is landing spot spot. for quarterbacks. And I will say this. I know it's a debate on Twitter every year. Does it matter about the the talent of the player or does it matter about the landing spot of the player when drafting that player? And I will tell you this. I might be on my own, but for me, it is 1,000 million trillion billion percent landing spot. If a rookie lands into a spot where he has a good quarterback, where he has a stable foundation, where he has a position that he can start in, like a running back like or a wide receiver, that's the guy I want, even if he's not as talented as X guy, who's a more talented player, but in a shittier situation. For example, Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb was a question that people were asking a lot. The obvious answer until this until today, the obvious answer was CeeDee Lamb because his situation is so much better. Now let's see. Now let's see if that that uh, you're kind of throwing a, a blanket out there because you get then you get like CEH or DeAndre Swift or Jonathan Taylor. Like CEH was clearly the worst pick there. Yes, right. But I think 
I think Tim makes a good point, especially in, in this particular class. Like it, if talent is equal or prospect level is equal or assumed talent is equal, then all that matters is landing spot. Uh, yeah. Speaking, speaking of that, by the way, one of the guys that a landing spot would definitely benefit, but could be good anywhere is Brees Hall. Brees Hall he, in his uh, composite score, which is a score that, that uh, ESPN uses to, uh, they put their college tape and their workouts together, only six players ever have gotten a 99, and Brees Hall is one of them, one of the six best-graded prospects at running back in the history of the combine, in the history of the NFL rookie draft. Um, we just we just, we just just shared this. We're working on our new player comps for the Broto app, and we might we have a little behind the scenes footage of what it might look like, and the Brees Hall comps are crazy. So, I mean, even though the quarterback, I hope Brees Hall comes to the Jets in that second pick in the second round. That would be amazing. Because uh, even if even though the quarterback position is not weak, this is a good draft at the running back position. What are and, some? Well, because I mean, because you're going to get a fantasy star out of Brees Hall. So it's it's automatically a good draft. Is it a deep draft? Is the question I was going to ask Matt. Matt, what, did you see anything in the combine that stood out to you as maybe a running back that has a chance to be one of uh you know extend the deepness of this class? Yeah, well, I think a guy. I mean, it was always the top three. It was uh, Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, and Isaiah Spiller, and it was kind of they were a triple headed dragon, and and people would you know argue over RB one continuously and. Uh, I just want to say this because like, I feel like it's a bit of the Mike Trout effect. It's like Brees was always the RB1. He was always the clear cut 1-1 in this draft class. And it was like people just got tired of him dominating so much. So they wanted something new. Like there, It's not like these players, Kenneth Walker had a phenomenal season and, and was you know in the tops of Heisman voting and looks like one of the best pure runners that we've seen coming out of college in a while. But like none of these guys had the amount and sustained success and early breakout and the complete package that Brees Hall did. Now there's a guy that I think is pushing up to make this more of a four headed dragon. And that's Rashad white from Arizona state. That kid did everything in the combine. He had ridiculously quick feet in the agility drills. Like, like it looked like everybody else was running them and he was sprinting through them, but it was fluid. And it was, he looked phenomenal on tape. Uh, He's got incredible statistics from Arizona state and, yeah, I think that kid's definitely lengthening the depth of the class. Um, after that, there's it gets a little shadier. Uh, people really like Kyler Algier out of BYU, uh, converted linebacker, uh, had an cr- incredible senior year, but also got played out of running back to be pushed to linebacker and then switched to running back again. So it's like he got played out of BYU by three different running backs three years in a row and took to be a fourth-year senior DB be able to, to even be able to hold on to the position. So, I, I mean, he pops on a lot of analytic models. His senior year stats are incredible. Um, so there might be a little bit of depth there in the second round. We like Tyler Beatty out of Missouri. He's, I think he's like a James White type. But long story short is that's kind of it, man. After that, that, the, that draft class at running back gets really wishy-washy. And it, there was a one kid that, people were really excited about that nobody's excited about anymore and that's kyron williams yep kyron williams had a talk to us why why for who might be unfamiliar we were talking about this before the show (laughs) well kyron weighed in at five foot seven and ran a four seven 
<laughs> so like when you're looking at speed scores, speed scores take in consideration height and weight, right? And and relative athletic scores, because it's not just like how big you are, how fast, or it's not just how fast you can move, it's how fast you move with your body weight attached to it. And Kyron Williams has like a 0.03 relative athletic score. <laughs> Wow. And and he's the he's the ultimate film versus analytics argument because people are obsessed with that kid's film, and he's a phenomenal pass blocker for how small he is. So like he makes contact look so violent and so effortless. Um, but he's also like one of the big things that even film guys say is like he lacks top end speed and he lacks any speed at all. And Notre Dame has such a good offensive line too. It's part of it's obviously a product of the system and how often they run the ball and, and everything like that. And yeah, he could, he's going to find an NFL home. Somebody's going to draft him. It's not like he's going to go undrafted because of this combine because of how stellar his film and his production is. But as far as a fantasy asset, like you should be out on Kyron Williams completely. I always have a, a saying in, in fantasy drafts is I like to avoid things that have never happened before. Like if I'm, if I'm banking on something that's never happened in the past ever, um, I'm not banking on that. So probably as a team, I'm thinking the same way as like I'm staying away from him because he's five seven. He can't run. Yeah, past. and and it, it's and what I mean by like out on him as a fantasy asset too is the combine. It affects player values to a certain extent, but in startup drafts and in rookie drafts, like you're, I don't think he's going to fall enough where he's going to be worth the coin flip. Like you're still going to have to take Kyron Williams in the third round. Or in the late second, and that's not worth it. Mm. Um, speaking of having to take someone high that might not be worth it, Traylon Burke's really like disappointed at his workout. Um, what are you seeing at these wide receivers? The, we've gotten spoiled with these wide receivers the last couple of years. The the wide receiver classes have been not only good but deep. It's it's really like changed the entire like like outlook of fantasy because there's so many good wide receivers that have been pushed into the system that you saw last year that wide receivers are just were, like took over for running backs is the, the position you kind of want to draft here. Um, there's been a couple guys you hear about Traylon Burks. You hear about Drake London a lot. You hear about Chris Olave a lot. Who, who was the guy who fake beat the record at the 40 time until it was fixed in the official time. Um, what wide receivers are you looking at, Matt, as guys who could maybe make an impact? And uh, who who stood out maybe in the combine as someone who maybe took you by surprise? Well, I think, like, I mean, the, the biggest winner of the combine for any position, really. I mean, other than Jordan Davis just yeah. looking like a fucking Marvel Avenger. Like, Bro, Jordan <laughs> um, Davis needs to play fullback on the goal line and just run straight. Dude. For for anybody that doesn't understand how effortless his movement is, go watch his his forty. Go watch his forty time and just compare it to anybody else that ran the forty. His come out and the way that he breathes, he's not trying. He's faster than that. <laughs> it's insane. it's insanity. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, wide receivers. <laughs> uh, the biggest winner of the combine for any position is Christian Watson. That that kid is he uh, player profile has him now um, with everything official. He's in the 99th percentile for speed score and the fourth highest rated guy of all time. So just behind like DK Metcalf and Calvin Johnson. And I think uh, Claypool is the one that's slightly ahead of him. I think if I remember correctly, but yeah, Christian Watson, he ran, ran a ridiculous combine. Um, His broad jump was 
132 inches, I think. So 11.3 feet. Uh, yeah, 11.4. Um, he ran an incredible 40 time, uh, especially at 6.4. 4.36 was his official. It, it, he ran it a little slower, but they adjusted down. Uh, he was one of the benefits of the, the fast clock. Um, yeah, like, I mean, the kid looks like a stud. Um, he impressed incredible or he did really, really well at the senior bowl as well. So his stock was already on the rise and then he just solidified it with that incredible combine performance. Um, if you've never heard of Christian think, Watson, by the way, he played for uh, North Dakota state. He played with Trey Lance. Yep. Yeah. In the small amount of games that Trey Lance actually did play, which <laughs> one of our Debbie guy, Brad kind of brought this up to me and it's something that I want to maybe touch on, on, you know, when I have some downtime, but he's now questioning whether or not like uh, Trey Lance's stats are ballooned because of how good Christian Watson's production was. Ooh, interesting. interesting. That's a, yeah. <laughs> it is interesting. I want um, to ask you about a, a receiver who was like hot and has kind of fallen off a bit too. I don't know too much about him. So I'm curious how you feel about him. Uh, David Bell from Purdue. That was kind of who I was going to get into next, along with, with Burks, talking about uh, kind of disappointing testing. Um, and, and with Burks, is the hype was so high, and just nothing reached it. Like, they lied about his hand size. They lied about his height. He came in underweight, but people were happy about that because he was too big. Um, they lied about his 40 times, which were supposed to be under 4-4, and he ran a 4-5-5 adjusted. So, yeah, it's, it, Burks, had a, Burks and Bell both had kind of disappointing combines, but David Bell a lot more so because there wasn't a lot of hype built behind him other than like the, the production or built around his athleticism rather other than the production hype was really, really good. Uh, he was essentially Purdue's entire offense for three years in a row. Um, his numbers are incredible, but David Bell came in and ran a lot slower than everybody expected. Uh, he ran a four, six or four, six and a half. Uh, he jumped a lot lower than everybody expected. And he showed kind of like, I mean, I'm not going to say like, trouble or like lack of focus but he just labored a little bit through the pass catching drills as well he it was almost like he was discouraged from his testing and you know they do the agility and, and pass catching drills after the 40 and it was like he just wasn't confident in himself and i'm not sure if that's something to really like dive deep into you know as far as like a prospecting aspect but yeah they're, they're definitely very disappointed um now, it kind of comes out on the other end, too, because people are just comping him to Devontae Adams now, which I guess if you're going to buy into that, then it's a great thing. <laughs> um, the number one wide receiver in this draft I don't think is that clear cut. Uh, there's different guys who can go there. Garrett Wilson. Uh, yeah, I mean, Garrett, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Traylon Burks. Right, so who, yeah, who's, your, who's your favorite of the group? Well, it's, I was kind of saving him, yeah. It's, it, hmm. I like Garrett Wilson the most. He, he looks the most fluid and... and it, Analytics guys don't love Garrett Wilson because of that Ohio State offense had Marvin Harrison Jr. and Jackson Smith and Jigba as well. So his market share percentages and like yards per team pass attempt and things like that, like they don't. And Chris Olave as well was on that team. So like they don't pop like some of these other guys that were just standing alone on on lesser offenses or in smaller programs. Um, so analytically, he kind of declined throughout his career where he showed incredible promise early on. Um, but he's the most polished wide receiver with the most tools. Like that's, that's kind of just where it's come down to for me. His production is still phenomenal. Um, and when you have like three of the top 10 wide receivers in the country and you still put up a thousand yards and a hundred receptions, that's a good thing too. 
So I know like it's not he doesn't break the analytical model, but Garrett Wilson would be my wide receiver one off the board. Similar to He's how really uh, really smooth rope. Oh. I was just gonna say yeah, similar he, to um uh, Terry McLaurin when he got drafted out of Ohio State. A lot of people, mainly the analytical guys, were off him because you know he didn't have the high dominator rating and things of that sort. And it's because he was at powerhouse Ohio State and had other players around him who were just as good or not like way worse than he was um so uh, people do have to take that into account yeah and and i mean films film guys love garrett wilson because he's he's just like you know like a violent route runner he's got those snappy routes his hips are really really fluid and he kind of explodes in and out of cuts um and you love to see that like route running is for all like intangibles route running is the most easy to define because you watch it and you go holy like that guy just broke every ankle on the field so garrett garrett wilson has all the tools and he's got those incredible like vertical contested catches that that everybody's got screenshots of so yeah i think i think that that especially in this class and we'll get to the guy that kind of nobody can put into their analytic model um but i think for this class garrett wilson has the most tools that you can use readily in the nfl so i think he's going to see the highest draft capital and like we were touching on earlier the best landing spot because of that uh, and sorry you you you, uh, you teased me man i don't like being teased who are we getting to earlier who's the guy that analytics can't hold back well drake london <laughs> drake london is uh yeah. he, he's kind of like everybody's darling um Right now, he had over a thousand yards in only eight games. Um, he's even in eight games, his market share and dominator percentages, even if you extrapolate over the entire season, he still destroys everybody on the team. Um, and he's big and yeah. fast. <laughs> he didn't run at the combine. Uh, London's still coming off of an ankle injury. Um, so I don't even know if he'll run at his pro day but he's hit above 20 miles an hour on film before. So like the kid's massive, the kid's fast. He was really good route runner. Um, and again, kind of like kind of the way that I feel about Garrett Wilson is I think a team is going to look at that kid. Like he's, that's our wide receiver one. And again, to like when talent is equal or when the prospect model is equal, like landing spot is a huge difference. And if Drake London gets good draft capital, or, I mean, it doesn't even have to be good if he just, Falls under the right system and a pass-heavy team that needs a wide receiver two or a wide receiver one, like that's a pretty good selection in a 2022 rookie draft. Any wide receivers that might not be in that top three, but stood out to you as someone who could be like a sleeper type from their performance at the combine? I mean, my my number one sleeper is Jalen Tolbert from Southern Alabama. I, you should be able to get that kid around the third rounds, and he's like he's like Garrett Wilson light. He's got all of the tools. He's just, you know, from a really small school. And the, the program's only existed for like four or five years anyway. So he holds all of the school records. So when you plug him in analytically, it looks ridiculous because he's the only one there that's ever done anything. Um, but I, I like and, – and he had a good combine. He did drop a pass in, in one of the pass-catching drills, which you never like to see when they're kind of just like gimme balls. Um, but other than that, like he, he ran what he was supposed to. Um had a great vertical yeah jalen tolbert looks really good calvin austin if you're into just the athletics like that kid dominated the combine at a well uh, as well um out of memphis he i think he ran the fastest adjusted 40 once they capped back in 
Oh yeah, Tyquan Thornton actually ran the the fastest one, four two eight. But uh, yeah, Calvin Austin ran a four three two and insane broad jump, insane vertical. So if you're really into like athletic wide receivers, and we know that the NFL likes to invest in these guys at at a high rate, so Calvin Austin could definitely make a name for himself on a team as a deep threat. But kind of like the running back room, there's or opposite of the running backs rather, um, there's a lot of depth, but there's only one or two top end talents in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Before we're probably gonna end it soon, um, but I do want to ask you about the the tight ends before we go. Is there a specific tight end you think stands out? Do you think any of these tight ends have a high ceiling, or is it more of a uh, a letdown type of tight end group this year? No, actually, I think this is the tight end position is probably the best position of this class, to be honest. Mm. Like, especially when you look at the land or for fantasy purposes, when you look at the landscape of like tight ends and and their age right now and and you know the top 12 tight ends and the point gap between 6 and 15 is like these are the kids that you're going to see at the bottom end of 10 11 12 in fantasy tight ends for the next 10 years and like trey mcbride is my favorite tight end out of the class and i really like isaiah likely as well um and neither one of them ran their 40s they both looked awesome in blocking and pass catching drills um but i think knowing that they're the kind of like one two of the class or, or they kind of feel that way they didn't want to they're going to test at their pro day when they know they can get higher times on those 39 yard 40 yard dash um but yeah this tight end class is really really deep and there's some insane athleticism in this in this tight end class like jelani woods is six seven and ran a four five and jumped out of the fucking building and jeez so there, there's there's a lot of depth in this class and i think you're going to see like the third or fourth round of the NFL draft this year is just going to be littered with fantasy relevant tight ends. Any, any tight ends you think make it into like the first round or second round? Nah, no, I can't see that happening this year. There's no like, and I mean, if it would be anybody, it would be Trey McBride, but he's also like a little undersized for the position. Um, I think like, you know, in my opinion, his, his highest comp is kind of like, like you, you might see like a, a George Kittle esque light Ooh. from, from Trey McBride. But that's only again, like tight ends take such a long time to break out. Like it's going to be, it's going to be a waiting period for this class. It, I don't think any rookie is going to come in and, and steal somebody's job. Like Pat Faramuth did with Eric Ebron and, and become a fantasy relevant tight end in year one. But I do think that the, this fantasy tight end class is going to be relevant for years to come. And there's going to be four or five names for sure that, we're going to look back on and be like, I probably should have drafted that kid higher. Awesome. All right, man. We, we, bang, this, bang. We've gone an, uh, 10 minutes over what we usually go. And of course we did because Matt Ward bring the motherfucking heat. Thank you for coming on. Like man. We just, really appreciate it. I felt oh, like I just went to, uh, such a good time. went to a combine class. And I can tell we just scratched the surface. Like Matt could talk for another hour easily about all this stuff. I hour. Mean, another, probably <laughs> like another four yeah. days. Oh, dude. We probably starve <laughs> yeah. by the time he's done uh, talking about the combine. If you want to hear it, <laughs> I mean, if you want to see it in, in action, everything that he talked about, uh, he had some great review articles. Uh, best part is they're, they're kind of quick hitters too. They're going to give you all the information you need right as you need it. He has all the takeaways in bullet point format. Uh, very easy to read, very easy to consume, and all the information you need going into uh, the NFL draft. And that bang, is bang. on the Fantasy Football by Brodo app right now. It's on BrotoFantasy.com. Matt, where could they find you on Twitter? Uh, at PsychWardFF on all social media, really. Yeah. 
Fantastic. Also, also great name. If I must say so myself, Psych Ward. Because Tim says that every time we discuss your name. Every every time. Yeah. I mean, his last it's name's Ward. My, Psych Ward. Come on now. It's been my handle for a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's fantastic. My handle uh in my in the beginning was Funky Monkey Nuts too. It's a good thing I changed. Oh, that you one. should have kept that. that was, <laughs> you know, we had we had a a PlayStation. Um, we had online, and this was when all four of us brothers still lived together. It was me, Tim, Johnny, and Jason, and we were Patrapatron four thousand. Was our uh, was our Patrol. gamer tag, and and then Tim was the first to move out. So I changed it to Patrapatron three thousand. Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Fucked up. Like, oh, you, you're on your own now motherfucker yeah <laughs> anyway yeah, i think even all my gamer tags from like decades ago are like i've had and not to brag but it like blew me away that i figured this out before anybody else like nobody else had the last name ward and just thought that would be cool like, for real nobody, I, I agree <laughs> yeah. seems, it seems so, so there for the taking yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> well matt uh you gotta have the personality for it and you definitely do i was so. gonna say and, and also and also you know, all Looks the people like got the combine information, but they don't bring it to you like Matt does. So, uh, so it's not about the Excellent. what you got. It's about how you present it. You know what I'm saying? And we're presenting you the app um, and, and, and many things to come. So please. Uh, oh, wait, I was about to sign out like we're not the we're not in Patreon already. I keep I keep doing that. I keep like trying to sign out like we're a Patreon. We just yeah. could say we could just say peace. All right. Later, y'all. Yeah. Peace. The homies. Yeah. It's the homies.